We're going to be in Acts chapter 14, so go ahead and turn there. Uh, my camera guy is going to be glad this morning that I don't have my running shoes on because, um, man, I'm fired up. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, this morning I got up early and I went running, and the very first song I listened to on my run list this morning was Battle Belongs. And when I was coming back to my driveway, Christ Be Magnified is what came on. I kid you not. I mean, I, I just, and then Brother Wayne, man, what a song. What an awesome worship this morning. I'm so glad I'm not who I was. Can anybody else say that? I am so glad I'm not who I was, right? I am who God's making me to be. I'm different today than I was yesterday, and I'm very much different today than I was a long time ago, and it's all because of how good God is. And this morning, we're going to be digging into Acts chapter 14, and I'm going to throw a word at you that I just know you love, perseverance. Anybody like that word, perseverance? Does anybody have negative thoughts when you hear that word, perseverance? Uh, probably you do. Usually when we hear the word perseverance, the, one of the first things we think about is tough times, right? Or hard times or difficulty. Usually when we hear about perseverance, we don't have pleasant thoughts. But I want to tell you something, perseverance is a good thing. And perseverance is needed in your life and in my life if we want to be different today than we were yesterday. If we want to be different tomorrow, it's going to take some perseverance to get there. And I believe God uses perseverance in powerful, powerful ways in our lives. As a matter of fact, according to Merriam-Webster, perseverance means this, continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Anybody got any difficulty right now in your life? Huh? Anybody facing some opposition right now in your life? Let me ask you this. Does anybody feel like a failure right now in your life? Listen, failure doesn't have to be final. Failure doesn't have to be final. You can get back up and you can get back on the starting line. There's always a new starting line, always a new starting line when it comes to God. When I think of perseverance, I think of one man. Coach Jimmy Valvano, I don't know how many of you recognize that name or know that name, but Coach Jimmy Valvano uh, led the North Carolina State Wolfpack to the NCAA championship in 1983. They were the underdog. As a matter of fact, they weren't even supposed to be in the Final Four, but they won the semifinal game, and they played the mighty Houston Cougars in the championship. And Houston that year, they had five starters that every one of them went on to play in the NBA. North Carolina wasn't even supposed to be in the game with them from the tip, but North Carolina State won that championship. A few years later, Jimmy Valvano battled cancer, and eventually he passed away in 1993. But two months before he died, uh, he was presented an award by ESPN, and he spoke uh, at this awards banquet at ESPN. And I'll never forget it. It's one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard in my life. This is what Jimmy Valvano said in 1993, two months before he passed away with cancer. He said this, Nothing has ever been accomplished in any walk of life without enthusiasm, without motivation, and without perseverance. He said, I thank God for this day and for the moment I have right now to speak to you. Here's his words, Never give up. Don't ever give up. Give up. 
Failure and rejection are only the first steps to succeeding. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And then when he spoke about the cancer that was attacking his body, here's what he said. Cancer can take away all of my physical abilities, but it cannot touch my mind, it cannot touch my heart, and it cannot touch my soul. Those are some powerful words. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what your opposition is. I don't know what your difficulty is. I don't know what your failure is. I don't know if you're right in the middle of failure or you're heading into failure or you're coming out of failure. But I want to echo the words of Coach Jimmy Valvano. Don't ever give up. Don't ever, ever give up. Persevere. Perseverance, in Jimmy Valvano's words, meant to never give up. And his words actually remind me of God's word. You know what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9? Listen to this. He said, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we... Anybody want to say the words? Do not give up. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 6. In Romans chapter 5... Uh, Paul says this in verses 3 through 5. He says, we glory in our sufferings. We gl- think about that. We glory in our sufferings. Again, like perseverance might be a negative word for you. I bet when I say the word suffering, you don't think positive about that word either. But Paul says this in Romans chapter 5. We glory in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Man, I love those words from the Apostle Paul. I believe, first and foremost, uh, Paul wrote these words through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God gave him those words, and he wrote those words down for us to have today. But I also believe that Paul wrote these words from the experiences he had on his many missionary journeys, one of which we're going to read about today in Acts chapter 14. Perseverance is crucial in your life. It is crucial in my life. You see, Christ followers can and should be vessels of hope in a world that is full of hopelessness. But we must do what? Persevere. You and I, as Christ followers, we should be vessels of hope in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in the church, in our world. We should be vessels of hope. But where does hope come from? It comes from character. And where does character come from? It comes from perseverance. God allows or causes those things in our lives that sometimes we suffer through. He causes or allows those things to happen because He knows it will help us come to this place called perseverance. And he knows that that perseverance is going to work for our good and it's going to build our character. And our character is going to overflow with hope, who is Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to see some perseverance in the life of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. Look at it with me, Acts chapter 14. 
I'm not going to try to read the whole chapter. I'm going to encourage you to read the whole chapter when you get time. But we're going to read these first seven verses and go from there. Look at what it says. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Opposition. You see it? Verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued. You see that word? They continued to do what? Preach the gospel. What an awesome passage of Scripture, especially with this backdrop, if, uh, if you will, called perseverance. Now listen, let me tell you a little bit about Iconium. Iconium was about 90 miles southeast of Antioch. Antioch is where God called Paul and Barnabas into the gospel ministry, into evangelism, into being missionaries and going out and telling other people about Jesus Christ. This city of Iconium was mostly a Greek city, but there were many Jews there as well. And it flourished with agriculture. It flourished with commerce. It was a very popular and very much needed city uh, in this area. And what we see is that God led them to Iconium. God led them to Iconium, and what we see is that Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel to everyone. They preached the gospel to everyone. This was their calling. They knew their calling. They embraced their calling. And they exercised their calling. Listen to me. They also remained true to their calling. They didn't get distracted. They didn't get deterred from their calling. They focused on their calling. Now listen. They may have had to adjust their methods. They may have had to adjust their delivery from time to time, but their calling, their calling was to preach the gospel. And the gospel, the message never changed. It was the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Listen to me. When it says they preached, when it says they they were teaching, when they were talking, when they were speaking, I'm going to tell you something. It was always about Jesus. Always about Jesus. It was always about his life, always about his sacrificial death, and always about his victorious resurrection. That was their calling, and they remained true to that calling. Now, in this passage, we see that many times, Paul and Barnabas, when they went into these cities, if there was a synagogue, that's where they started. Have you noticed that? We've seen it already a couple of times in the book of Acts. And we're going to continue to see that. When they go into these cities, they, they pretty much are looking for that synagogue. They're going to go in and they're going to talk to the Jews who are in that synagogue. 
But the message, right, the message was for everyone, and we see that because there were Jews and Gentiles there who heard the message. And I'm going to tell you what, there were Jews and Gentiles who accepted it, who received it, who believed in Jesus Christ, and there were Jews and Gentiles who rejected it. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Paul and Barnabas faced heavy opposition from the Jewish non-believers first. And then it was the Jewish non-believers who did what? They went in and began to whisper to the Gentiles, and the Bible says that the Jewish leaders poisoned the minds of the Gentiles. That's what we see in this passage. And like we have seen so far on this missionary journey, not everyone is going to receive the good news. These Jews who rejected the gospel, they stirred up trouble. They stirred up trouble with purpose. They wanted to hurt. They wanted to persecute these evangelists, especially Paul and Barnabas. Dr. David Jeremiah tells us in his commentary, he says, much of the persecution of the early church came from the Jewish religious leaders, those who should have recognized Paul's preaching was actually fulfilling the prophecies about the Messiah. But rather than rejoicing over their message, they were jealous Because of their loss of influence. If you ever wonder why these religious leaders were against Paul and Barnabas, it's because they were against God. They were against the name of Jesus Christ, the life and the work of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus told his disciples that. He said, let me tell you, the world hates you, but the world hated me first. The world was against me first. And because the world hated me, and because the world was against me, the world will hate you, and the world will be against you. And we see why. They were jealous. They had lost impact. They had lost influence over people who were now surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. These religious leaders didn't like it. And so they're going to fight back. They're going to fight against this, and they're going to use anybody and everybody who will listen to them. And as we see in this passage of Scripture, there were, there were some Gentiles who listened to them because their minds were poisoned. And so opposition came against them. They preached the gospel because that was their calling. They were focused on it. Nothing deterred them. Nothing stopped them. Even when the opposition came against them to persecute them, guess what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Fulfillment of Scripture. Fulfillment of Jesus' words. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1? He said, you're going to be my witnesses to Judea and to Jerusalem and to Samaria, to all over, all over the world. He said, and you're going to receive what? Power. That's Jesus' promise. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do what I've called you to do. And so we see that Paul and Barnabas received power. How do we know they received power? Because the Bible says they performed signs and wonders that lined up with the message they preached. I love that. That's what Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses wherever you go. So these men, Paul and Barnabas, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. They were enabled by God to perform, not listen, not just to preach, but to perform. Signs and miracles that lined up with the message that they preached. Listen, God did not call them to something that he would not empower them to do. 
God did not tell them to go say something that he would not give them the powerful words to say. And so we see it in this passage of Scripture. Even when they came against them, right? Even when they came against them, Paul and Barnabas, the Bible says they shook the dust off their feet and they left. They left Iconium, but what did they leave Iconium to do? To hide, right? To regroup and to rethink? No, no, no. It says they left Iconium to preach the gospel. That's what it says. They left Iconium to preach the gospel in other places. Let me tell you what this is. This is perseverance. You may read that word fled. You may see where it says, oh, uh, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they fled. So that means they ran away. No, they didn't run away. They were led by the Holy Spirit of God to go to the next place. That's what it, that's what it means. As a matter of fact, I, I love this, right? This was not cowardice. This was courage. This was perseverance. Listen to this. Jesus. Jesus. His words. Matthew chapter 10 Verses 22 and 23. He said, you will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place. Listen to this close. Verse 23. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So let me just tell you something. Paul and Barnabas didn't run from Iconium, right, scared of the opposition. What they did was they followed the words of Jesus Christ and they fled from there to the next place where they were supposed to do what they were called to do, and that is, anybody want to tell me what they were called to do? Preach the gospel. Amen. Now, if you didn't listen, I'll start over. So, as we see in in Acts chapter 14, verse 7, and we see in Acts chapter 14, verse 21, they went to a place called Lystra. They went to a place called Derbe. And what does it say? It says they went there to preach the gospel. They did not lose focus on God, and they did not lose focus on their calling. Listen, I believe when tough times come... When, when hard times come, when suffering comes, it is very easy to forget your calling. I'm telling you, when, when we get distracted by the opposition or we get distracted by our own weakness, when we get distracted by our own failures, it is very easy to forget your calling. And when you forget your calling, guess what it is very easy to do? Quit. You hear me? I hope you hear me. When you get distracted by the opposition, when you get distracted by self, when you get distracted by your weaknesses and your flaws and your faults and your failures, when you get distracted, you tend to forget who you are and whose you are and why you are. You begin to To think like Brother Wayne sang about a while ago, you begin to think back about who you were. You begin to think about the ugly parts, and you forget all about God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love, and God's hand who will pick you up. He'll pick you up, and He'll put you back on your feet again so you can move forward 
in the direction he's called you to go. I wonder today how many people have quit time and time again. It's easy to quit. I'm telling you, it is easy to quit if you don't keep your mind focused on God and focused on his calling. It's the same thing with my running, right? I love to run. I do. I love it now, okay? But here's the thing. Right now, I'm running with purpose. I didn't just get up this morning and go running aimlessly. No, it was intentional. See, I have a marathon coming up in November, and I have a plan. I have a plan laid out. And this morning was just one small part of a big plan to get me on the starting line for what I want to do and, and, and what I want to celebrate. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard. There's a lot of hard steps. There's 84 more days left in my training before November 5th. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of opportunity for me to get distracted. There's a lot of opportunity for me to quit. Lots of, lots of days of quitting in front of me. But I'm going to tell you something. I know who I am, I know whose I am, and I know why I am. And I know that purpose in my life is to glorify God. And when I keep my eyes on Him, and I keep my eyes on that purpose, I'm going to tell you, ain't no opposition stronger than my God. There ain't no fault, no failure, no fear in my life that's stronger than my God. And so I'm going to look to Him, and I'm going to hear His voice every day. And I'm going to embrace it every day. See, I believe this. I believe this because the Bible says in Acts chapter 14, when they took Paul out, right? They took him out. Here's what it says. It says they stoned him. If you keep reading in Acts chapter 14, I'm not going to read every verse, but I'll tell you this. It says they stoned him and they left him for dead. But that's what the opposition wanted and that's what they thought. (laughs) But God, amen, right? They stoned him. And they left him out there in the street and said, he's dead, he's gone, this is over. But my Bible says he got up. Huh? Does that sound like some other words we read in the Gospels? When they put a man in a hole in the ground and put a stone in front of it, and they said, this is done, it's over, it's finished. But guess what? My God got up. Jesus Christ got up. And he walked out of that grave. And it looks like to me that Paul's, he's practicing some of that resurrection power, amen? Yeah, when they beat you down and they leave you out there for dead, uh-uh, uh-uh. If you're God's child, God will breathe life back into your body. God will breathe purpose into your ears and into your heart, and you'll remember it, and you'll get up. That's what the Bible says. But you know what's beautiful about this passage of Scripture? Jesus told him that. Jesus told him that. You'll receive power. Not only that, do you notice who he was surrounded by? He was surrounded by other believers. So when, he, when Paul was, was laid on the ground, okay, when he was laid on the ground, I, I want to show you something. Aaron, come here real quick. Mr. Wayne, come here real quick if you don't mind. Mr. Delbert, come here real quick. So Paul, Paul is laying on that ground, right? And he's just, I mean, you can't even tell if he's breathing. He's just laid on that ground and these guys could be standing around looking and thinking, he's dead. But I'm going to tell you what they were doing. They were praying. And they were there to encourage my brother, Paul. And I believe Paul heard their voices as they were praying. Maybe as they were singing. Maybe as they were quoting scripture. And I believe Paul, he looked up, he took a deep breath, and he saw his brothers in Christ. And Paul got up and said, come on, we got something else left to do. 
Thank you, brothers. Amen. Right? That's what it looked like, in my opinion. That's what I believe it looked like. Right? It says they gathered around him. And the next thing it says is Paul got up. Paul got up. And it doesn't say Paul got up and went to the hospital. (laughs) It doesn't say Paul got up and, and, and went and sat down and rested for a few months. No, it says he got up and he went back. Right? He went back to the places where God called him to go. As a matter of fact, the encourager, the encourager Paul, who was encouraged by God first and by his brothers in Christ, it says he went back, right, with, with Barnabas to Poseidia, to Pamphylia, to Perga, to Italia, and then they even went back to Antioch. And guess what happens when he got back to Antioch? This is why I'm telling you I'm so excited, right? I've been excited since 6 o'clock this morning, right? God woke me up, and uh, Marty said, are you going running? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. I put my shoes on, I hit the road, I started listening to that worship music. I knew what message I was preaching. Matter of fact, I was looking for something to come against me out on that road, right? One car passed the whole morning. I'm thinking, man, everybody's asleep on Sunday morning. One car passed me. I was looking for critters, right? Especially them little crawly ones on their belly on the road. I was looking everywhere. I was thinking I'm going to have to jump over something, jump through something. Listen, this morning, I didn't face any opposition. Not physical. But my mind began to wonder a little bit, right? My mind began to wonder, well, what if, what if nobody shows up? What, what if this morning I mess it up? What if I don't say the right words? God, what if, what if? But boy, that song Battle Belongs came on, and God said, I got you. And then Christ Be Magnified came on, and I hit the driveway going, you know what? All I got to do is tell people about Jesus, and it's going to be all right. All I got to do is tell them about Jesus. That's it. All I got to do is lead a celebration. And you see, that's what happened. The church celebrated. When Paul came back and told them what God had done, what God was doing, and what he believed God was going to do, the church celebrated. They celebrated all that God had done through them. Look at it with me. Verse 27, Acts 14, 27. It says, On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Had Paul quit, had Barnabas quit, had they had run with their tails tucked and hid for months, how many Gentiles might have missed an opportunity, right? How many Gentiles might have missed an opportunity to hear the gospel and say yes to Jesus Christ. Now, I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same way. If God wanted to send somebody else, he would have. But he called Paul and Barnabas to do it. Do you hear me? He, you don't hear me? So where do I need to start over at? No, he called Paul and Barnabas to go to these cities and preach the gospel. He didn't call anybody else. He called Paul and Barnabas to it. Could he have called somebody else? Absolutely he could have. But he gave the opportunity to Paul and Barnabas, and Paul and Barnabas had to make the most of the opportunity. They had to say yes to Jesus regardless of the opposition, regardless of the the faults, and regardless of the failure, regardless of the rocks that were being thrown at them. They had to keep on saying yes. Remember what perseverance is? It's a continued effort. Continued effort to do something. Regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the failure, regardless of the circumstances. 
Bob Goff is one of my, my favorite writers, and I know a lot of you have read some of his books, Love Does, right? Uh, love Always. He, he, he's big on love. Uh, that's because he's big on Jesus. But I love what Bob Goff says in one of his books. He says this. He says, we won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated with purpose. Did you hear that? We won't be distracted by comparison if we're captivated with purpose. Let me tell you something. I love social media. I do. Man, I can keep up with people and see things that I never would have been able to see or or know about people. And same thing, right? You can see some things that I say and some things that I do that maybe you never would if you didn't have it, right? Social media can be good, but I'm going to tell you something. Social media can be really, really bad. And you know one way it can be bad is when you're looking at everybody else's stuff saying, man, I wish I could do that. Man, I wish I had that much money. I wish I had that many people. I wish I had. I wish I had. I wish I had. Man, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that, see what happens? We begin to look at things and see things, and we begin to compare it to our own lives. And you know what happens when you start comparing? You forget or you lose your purpose. You forget or you lose your purpose. I want to add to that this morning. See, I want to add to it. I believe this is totally true what he said. We won't be distracted by comparison if we're captivated by purpose. But I want to build on it. Because, see, I believe this. We won't be distracted by the opposition if we're captivated by purpose too. You hear me? We won't be distracted by the opposition if we're captivated by the purpose too. I remember when I was a a young pastor, I I can say I'm not a young pastor anymore because I crossed that 50 threshold, right? And some of you are going, boy, you're still young. But, you know, I I, I mean, I'm getting the AARP messages, right, in the mail. So they disagree with you. But anyway, I remember way back when God called me into ministry. You know what one of the first things I struggled with was? I would spend so much time studying, so much time praying, so much time uh, just, just in the Scriptures. And here's what I thought. God, I'm doing all of this for you. And God, I'm doing, I'm doing what you've called me to do. So I just know that when I get up there and I stand in that pulpit and I go down here and I ask everybody to stand up and the invitation starts, people are just going to flood the altars. Oh, man, everybody's going to want to get saved. You know what I used to do almost every Sunday? And you know what? Sometimes I still struggle with it. Sometimes I'll ask my wife, did that make sense? Like, did I, did I say it right? Did I say the right words with the right tone at the right time? Did I? And, it's, and, and again, guess what happens? We get so distracted by the opposition because here's the truth. The enemy don't want nobody coming down this aisle. The enemy don't want nobody's knees bent at these altars. The enemy don't want Star Baptist Church to keep paying a water bill because the baptistry is getting filled up. The opposition's real. Right? And the opposition is going to keep whispering in your ear, you ain't good enough. <laughs> you can't study hard enough. You can't quote enough scripture. You can't, you can't, you can't. That's what the enemy's going to put in your heart and your mind. And he wants you to focus on the you can't. You want to know why? Because you'll forget the you can. 
you'll forget what the Word says, that greater is He who is in me than he who is in this world spreading the stinking lies. You'll begin to believe it. And I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to believe it, you begin to live it. You begin to live a defeated and deflated life because you are distracted by comparison. You're distracted by opposition and you've forgotten purpose. I can't tell you what I love. I kept reading this and every time my eyes kept focusing on three words. I, I, I just read that whole passage and I was like, okay. So I grabbed another one of my Bibles and I, I read it and I couldn't help it. I kept, kept going to three words. Preach the gospel. Those are the words that kept popping off the page to me. Preach the gospel. That's what I kept seeing in Acts chapter 14. Do you want to know what their purpose was? It was to preach the gospel because that's how they would bring glory to God. You know what your purpose is? It is to bring glory to God. That's your purpose. And that might be through teaching. That might be through farming. (laughs) That might be through banking. That might be through doctoring, nursing, pastoring. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know the end goal. The end goal is to glorify God with your words and your life. That's it. That's your purpose. The enemy is going to do anything and everything he can do to keep you from that. You know what you got to do? You got to persevere. You know what you got to do? You got to do what Coach Jimmy Valvano said. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This world can take away your stuff, right? This world can, can maybe take away your physical abilities. But I'm going to tell you, if you're in Christ, this world can never take your mind. It can never take your heart. And it can never take your spirit. Because God's got it. God's got you. Focus on that. I, I believe that these men, Paul and Barnabas, I believe that all they could think about was Jesus. You want to know why I believe that's all they could think about was Jesus? Because that's all they talked about was Jesus. Because see, what you think about, that's what you're going to talk about. What you think about, that's what you're going to talk about. And what you think about and talk about, that's what you're going to walk like. That's what you're going to move towards. And so if you want to know the key to perseverance, here it is, and I'm finished. We must rely on Jesus. We have to rely on Jesus. Wake up each morning and say, Jesus, you are my life. Tell yourself that because the enemy is going to try to tell you your wife is your life or your kids are your life or your job is your life or your hobby is your life or your bank account. The enemy is going to try to take anything and everything, even good stuff, and say, no, this is your life. No, it's not. Jesus is your life. Jesus is your life. And I don't care if you agree with me or not. Because that's what the Bible says. Go read the letters of Paul and see how many times he says, Jesus is my life. That's God's word, not Jeff's. Jesus is your life. And you know what? If you run away from that, if you reject that, if you get distracted from that, (laughs) get ready for the defeat and the deflation. Right? You're going to live a defeated and deflated life when your heart and your mind is not on Jesus. 
But oh, when it's on Jesus, <laughs> I can't tell you there won't be no suffering because you didn't read Acts chapter 14 if you believe that. Right? Even when you're focused on Jesus and relying on Jesus, you better get ready. Suffering's going to happen. Opposition's going to come. Tough times will be there. But guess what? Jesus will be there too. And the battle belongs to him. Hmm? And Christ is to be magnified no matter what, no matter where. Amen? May have to sing them songs again. I don't know. Perseverance leads to character. And character leads to hope. And hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And you know what our world is full of? It's full of hopelessness. You know what our world needs? Hope, which means our world needs Jesus. Amen? Let's be Jesus. Let's be Jesus in our homes. Let's be Jesus in our schools, our workplaces, our churches, our world. Let's be Jesus.